When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 80, and we are recording on May 9th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington. We are coming to you from Book Riot. Woo! Hello! <laughs> Yay! All right, that's all. All I'm, I have is woo! I'm trying to convince myself I'm awake. Yeah, same. But More it's coffee. A, it's at least sunny here today, which it wasn't yesterday, so I will take the sun. I've, it's gotten, um, we've had so much rain recently that the, the James River, which is the, you know, the big river, mm-hmm. the uh, bisects Richmond, is like overflowing its banks into people's yards. Oh, There's good. this big waterfall right by my house <laughs> where you, when you cross over the river, um, that like goes across the length of it. Uh, and the water's so high that like the waterfall just isn't there anymore. Oh my it's gosh. Like the, well, I've never seen that happen before. It's like the weirdest thing. That's anyway, intense. no more rain. Yeah. That's our weird weather update for the week. We always have something. <laughs> there was actually somebody, it wasn't about our podcast, it was about one of the other podcasts, but somebody left a comment on Facebook that was like, why is all of your banter in the podcast about the weather? And I was like, that's a fair point. It is always about Sorry, we're boring. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what else are we supposed to talk about in this podcast? This sports ball. I don't even know what's happening in sports ball. Well, there's ball not either. like a, a summer food the same way that like we can talk about chili all winter long. That's true. <laughs> but like, that's what true. is the summer equivalent of chili? I just don't know. Bark corn on the cob. I don't, I don't have know. a barbecue. There's, there's like it's there's not. Nothing. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. No. All right. Moving on. Um, so as I said, this is a show for personalized reading recommendations. So if you need a reading recommendation for anything for your book club, um, for yourself, for a trip you're taking, for a gift, doesn't matter. You can send those questions to us, and we will answer them. If it's time sensitive. Please mention that. Um, you can leave the questions in the uh, form at the bottom of all the show notes on the site, uh, or you can email them to us at getbookedatbookriot.com. If it is time-sensitive, please mention that in the subject line or in the very first line if you're using the form so that we can answer it on time. Uh, if we're not going to get to your question on time, then we will try to email you back, email you an answer, or if we've already answered your question on the air, we will also um, probably respond via email. Uh, and that, oh, and post on the site. <laughs> I forgot to mention this. Um, some of y'all's questions are just like so specific that we just can't. We are not good enough. We're not worthy. Um, so we're taking the very specific ones that we're having trouble with to the contributors because we, at this point, we have about 170 of them. And we, you know, with their powers combined, they will come up with some answers for y'all where we um, fail. So when those, uh, when those things happen, we're going to put those uh, answers on the site. We'll make a separate post and put them on the site because uh, usually there's more than one answer. Uh, and they would need their own show. So that's happening also. Okay, moving on. Uh, we are going to do our first question, and then Jen will do our first sponsor, and we will get this show on the road. All right. So our first question is from Christy, who says, My daughter is graduating high school at the end of May and off to college in the fall. I would like to get her a few books to read over the summer for a graduation gift. She's mentioned that she's having a hard time finding characters with, with which she can relate. She feels she's too old for a YA, but isn't mature enough to fully get women's lit. 
She wasn't as obsessed with Harry Potter, uh, also enjoyed Fahrenheit 451, The Walking Dead graphic novels, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, and Pride and Prejudice. I was thinking, Ghost World, do you have any suggestions? Interesting, we do. Okay, uh, but before we give our suggestions, we are very, I'm going to tell you about our very first sponsor. And my question for you all is, how do you feel about people riding polar bears? Because that's what's <laughs> happening on the first page of Elves. Um <laughs> which is written by Jean-Luc Istin and illustrated by Keiko Duarte. Um, and it is about a world in which there are elves, there are humans, there are orcs, and of course there are tensions. Um, some of the humans and elves do not get along, some of them do. There are, the orcs don't get along with anybody, as is usual in these situations. <laughs> not too sociable, those orcs. No, they like are never, I've never seen a good orc on the page, I don't think. Well, now this is going to bother me. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> back to our sponsor. Um, so in this first volume of uh, the Elves series, um, you meet Lanowin and Turin, who are an elf lady and her human friend who is a dude, but I don't think they're, I, or at least I haven't gotten to the part where they're more than just friends yet. Um, and they are trying to figure out who is responsible for a massacre of elves in a tiny town. And this leads them into many adventures. Um, so if you are a fan or are or were a fan of the Dragonlands books, um, if you're a and d junkie, if you need more fantasy people war in your life, uh, you definitely will want to pick up elves. Um, so yes, People riding polar bears, lots of, you know, blood and guts and prophecies and all kinds of good fantasy hijinks. So that's Elves by Jean-Luc Istin, illustrated by Keiko Duarte. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. All right, Amanda, what do you got for our friend who needs, she's too old for YA, not <laughs> quite there for women's lit. Okay, I picked Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell, which is a uh, about a rising... Right? Yeah, that's the term, right? Yeah, a rising college freshman who is also obsessed with her universe's version of Harry Potter. So I think that she will find something to relate to here. Um, the main character's name is Cass. Uh, she's a twin. Her sister's name is Ren. Get it? Catherine? Get it. <laughs> hey um, And her and her sister have grown up in what in, in this book's world is known as the Simon Snow series, which is a very obvious Harry Potter um, doodad joint i don't know whatever um <laughs> parallel comp, <laughs> um, comp is the word thank you, you thank you and so kath and ren are going off to college they're going to the same college but ren has decided that she kind of wants to spread her wings and like do her own thing for a while so she's told kath that she doesn't want to be roommates which kath has some anxiety problems um and some social anxiety and so is like deeply uncomfortable and anxious about having to live in a room uh, in a, a dorm with someone she doesn't know and she's also really uncomfortable about leaving her father behind um their mother is dead i think yeah and so her her dad is never like lived by himself and it's kind of like a fragile dude very loving but like not all there um as far as like being an efficient keeper of the home and like eating meals on time and stuff like that and so she's worried about him also and then of course she's like dealing with her classes while all of this is going on she's also uh, a super famous simon snow slash harry potter uh, fan fiction writer so the the book is like deep into the fan fiction world um she has like thousands of readers for her serialized fan fiction um and she's writing it for her actual like fiction writing class but her professor is very snarky about the idea of fan fiction so she's dealing with that too she's got a lot of stuff going on she's questioning her identity as a writer 
her, her relationship with her sister, her twin, who she's, like, most close to. Also, her roommate is, like, surly, but has a super hot boyfriend, so that's awkward. Um, so there's a lot, you know, to navigate. A lot of young, new, like, newly formed adult stuff um, that people who are in their first year of college have to deal with. So I think she'll find a lot here to relate to um, and to find some, some guidance and some comfort in. So that's Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. I like that. Newly formed adult stuff. Newly formed <laughs> adult stuff. Show title. Um, <laughs> I, I just want to give a quick thumbs up to Ghost World, which you were thinking about getting her. Like, I think that's a good transitional moment also in girl life. Um, the book I picked is The Bone Witch by Rin Chipeko, and I picked it for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of which is that you mentioned she is a fan of both The Walking Dead and Tree Grows in Brooklyn, which I like appreciate that those two things are on a spectrum at opposite <laughs> ends of that spectrum. Um, but it said to me that she doesn't mind characters who are not 100% immediately likable and also that she's interested in like people over time. So The Bone Witch, I think, is a good pick for her because A, it's the first in a series. And whoa, is it like definitely the first in the series. Like you get to the end of this book and you're like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> exactly. It's like, how dare you? How dare you, ma'am? Um, so, <laughs> so it's 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 a hell of a book one, and book two comes out next year. Um, but if she likes it, that means there's more coming. And it's about a girl named Taya who is in her world. There are people called Asha who have special powers, um, and you kind of discover these when you're in your you know twelve thirteens. And she discovers that she has the power to raise the dead, and she discovers this by accidentally raising her newly dead brother um, during his funeral. He's a soldier, and he has died, and he was the most uh, you know close sibling to her in her family. Um, and she doesn't really understand what she's doing, but she does it. And it's very clear that she has these special powers, which are, you know, obviously make people very nervous. Um, but it, there is like a system for this. So she goes off to become an Asha. And in the book, you are getting her both at 17 when she's in the middle of doing like something really intense. And you're like, not sure that this is a good plan. Um, and then you're getting her from 12 and 13 uh, in the alternating chapters. So you see kind of where she started and you see where she is ending up, but you don't know how she gets there quite. So it's a really interesting um, narrative structure. It's a great fantasy world. Um, there's a lot of really cool world building. I thought it was really fascinating and I definitely want to spend more time in this world and get to know it. Um, and it's definitely about somebody like who is trying to figure out where they fit and they are like, there's all kinds of reasons they are not going to fit or people are going to make it very hard for them to fit. So I think it answers a lot of the sort of implicit questions in your question. Uh, so that is The Bone Witch by Rin Chupeko. Okay, question two is from Tina. She says, we're going to Africa in June with our extended family, which includes kids aged 5 to 10. We will be visiting South Africa and Zimbabwe. I'm looking for book recommendations about Africa for kids. Can be fiction or nonfiction, and I think they would prefer chapter books, though a picture book would be nice too. I'd like to have a little understanding of the countries we are visiting or Africa in general. Okay, um, I picked Anna Hibiscus, which is the first uh, in a series question. Mark? Yes, there are like seven, six or seven. Um, and it is by Atenuke, who is a Nigerian storyteller. Um, it, the, <laughs> it's about a little girl named Anna, obviously, who lives in an unnamed African country. And her mother is white and from Canada. And she lives with her mother and her father and her like super huge extended family in a village. Um, and has like, it's just about her daily life of 
being awesome and being a little girl and like climbing mango trees and hanging out with all of her cousins of whom there are several. Um, the thing that I like about this series is that it's, it combines like the, it takes place in a very modern time setting. So like her uncles have cell phones and like drive cars and it isn't, um, that, that kind of like weird thing that like Western writers can do when they're writing about like Africa, where it's just like lions and safari settings and stuff like that. But this is just like a little girl in a normal family who is just living her life. She has two twin brothers who are younger twin brothers who are adorable and um, do stuff like freak out because they're teething and cry so much that Anna gets really irritated and has to go off and like make up a new world to deal with her rage about having to listen to her brother's cry. cry. Um, I know it's like, it's so good. Uh, It's very sweet. And since you're traveling with a lot of young kids in your extended family, I thought that that would be a, like an extra nice pick because kids can get like really annoyed with each other when they're together for long periods of time, especially with age differences. Cause you know, like an eight year old isn't necessarily going to like want to hang out for a bunch of weeks with like a five year old. Um, so that can provide a little bit of conflict. Um, anyway, so it's a nice look at like modern life and just a regular village, uh, with a little girl who's just adorable. So that's Anna Hibiscus by Atinuke. All right, you said a picture book would be okay, so I couldn't not recommend My Painted House, My Friendly Chicken, and Me, which is by Maya Angelou, that Maya Angelou, um, and is a full color. It's not an illustrated book, it's it's photographs. Um, well, it has some illustrations too, but it's, it's, it's a big full color photographed book um, that is about a young girl named Tandy who lives in South Africa, um, about her and her little brother and her beloved chicken. <laughs> and um, also like things like, you know, what life is like in her house and what the mural art is like that the women in her tribe make and it's just a really lovely like the pictures the photography is stunning it's just stunning and like Amanda was saying you have an age range so I thought it could be something fun for like maybe the older kids will read it with the younger kids and everybody can look at the pictures together um but yeah, it's just it's just beautiful. Um, it was published in 1994, so it's a little bit old, but I think it will be a really nice uh, book. And it's a little bit funny. Like, it's, I mean, there's, it's about a chicken, partly. So, <laughs> so that's entertaining. I um, mean, it's about a it's chicken. It's about a chicken. What more do you want? I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. <laughs> so that's My Painted House, My Friendly Chicken, and Me uh, by Maya Angelou. And Margaret Courtney Clark is the photographer. All right, let's see. The next question is from Mary, who says, I'm looking for recommendations for my niece who will be graduating from high school and going off to college in the fall with her first semester in Madrid, Spain. She wants slash loves to travel, and I was hoping to give her a book kind of about this transitional time and traveling. I don't know if there are essay collections or travel logs, etc. I'm thinking more nonfiction and real-life experiences rather than fictional stories. Uh, Amanda, why don't you go? Okay, um, I picked Welcome to the Goddamn Ice Cube by Blair Braverman, which is a travel log memoir situation um, by, you know, Blair Braverman about a period, the period of time right after she graduated from college. And I actually listened to this audiobook while I was in Madrid, so it has a special, that's not relevant to her at all, but that's what made me think of it. Um, so Blair like loves the North. She grew up in California, but she gets really obsessed with like Norway and um Alaska and places where you could die if you're outside for too long. And so when she's 19, she leaves. She moves to Norway. Um, she does like an exchange, like a student exchange thing. Um, she also spends her summers working as a tour guide on a glacier in Alaska, showing tourists how to run dogs, like drive sled dogs. Um, it's not all 
fun and roses. A lot of the book is about her experiences being the only woman in a very forbidding landscape surrounded by men, not all of whom are, like, cool with her presence, Um, which results in some, like, just gentle teasing, but also some, like, bad things happen. So there's, like, a trigger warning um, definitely involved there. But it's her age bracket, and it's a lot about using travel as a method through which you discover what you want your life to look like as you get older, and using travel as a method uh, of, like, figuring out that humanity is not the worst even when bad things happen to you uh if that makes sense like she's traveling in the north to discover who she is but also to discover how she feels about like the world and people in general so it's very enlightening um it's also really entertaining and weird like it has weird uh and really interesting tidbits of information about like things you need to do to care for sled dogs which i didn't know i i was interested in but i deeply am and also like the minor not minor but like the changes the innumerable changes you have to make to your daily life when you live in a place like norway that's so cold that like you have to put sunscreen in your nostrils because the sun reflects up off the ice and like goes up your nose and stuff like that like i just find that so interesting so that's welcome to the goddamn ice cube by blair braverman I just had this vision of you, like, hooking your two dogs up to a <laughs> My pit bull and my, like, hound, hound dog. dog. <laughs> your, derpy, your derpy no. hound dog. Santa's little helper pulling, <laughs> pulling a sled. We would go Can nowhere. Can you please do that? <laughs> I couldn't hook that dog up to a red wagon and get it to pull my children. Oh. Okay. Where, where are we going? Uh, <laughs> Amazing. Um, okay. I don't know what kind of reader your niece is, so my suggestion may not be in her wheelhouse, but it's a book that I would have liked to have read when I was that age, and I really enjoyed it when I read it last year, so I'm going to recommend it anyway. All of that is preamble to my pick, which is Traveling with Pomegranates by Sue Monk Kidd and Ann Kidd-Taylor. What I like about this book is that it is about two trips to Greece um, that Sue and Anne took together, Sue being the mom, who is also the author of The Secret Life of Bees, et cetera, et cetera, um, and her daughter Anne. Um, And they went on uh, a series of trips together. The first was when Anne had just graduated from college and was like going through a depressive period. Um, She was really struggling. And then the second one is like them sort of, um, you know, in different places. So it's a lot of about like what it's like to travel with your mom or your daughter. It's about like how travel can change the way you're dealing with a situation um, that has nothing to do with the travel. Uh, And it's, it's a little woo. Like there's a lot of contemplative stuff about like Persephone and Demeter, which I don't, again, I don't know if she's into mythology. I found it interesting, Um, but I just thought it was a very interesting book. It's like, it's got a lot of feelings in it, but it's also got a lot of like beautiful scenes of them traveling around um, and like going to ruins and markets and eating different food and all of that good travel stuff. So worth a try. Uh, Traveling with Pomegranates by Sue Monk Kid and Ann Kid Taylor. All right. Question four is from Erin, who says, I just finished reading Me Before You by Jojo Moyes and I desperately loved it. I also recently read and enjoyed Big Little Lies by Leanne Moriarty. I'm looking for a recommendation for more novels that deal with big issues, but that don't beat me over the head with those issues. Um, Another author I've loved who does this well is Jodi Pico. Can you recommend any fiction titles that are similar? 
Okay, I went with The Mothers by Britt Bennett, which has just so many big issues happening all at once. So it's set in a modern uh, black community in Southern California. The main character's name is Nadia. And when the book opens, she's 17, um, and she is having a rough time. Her mother has recently committed suicide. She's grief-stricken and kind of rebellious. Like, she's, she's grown up in church, and she's having a moment where, like, Nothing makes sense to her anymore. So she hooks up with the preacher's kid, uh, the pastor's son, who is 21. He was a football star in high school, but he had an injury that's, like, reduced him to, you know, he's not going to be joining the NFL. He's going to be waiting tables until he figures out what he wants to do with his life. So they're young. They're having, like, a, you know, a fling while they both figure out their life and deal with their issues, except she ends up pregnant, and she gets an abortion, and then the church covers it up. Um, and it, his parents cover it up. And then the, 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 the um, story is told from the perspective of the mothers, who were like this Greek chorus voice, uh, unified voice of, of the elderly women in the church who know everybody's business and take care of everyone without thanks or notice. So like these are the women in the church community who bring the casseroles when you're sick and leave it on the front porch and never knock and who like know everybody's pain and are like watching when you make mistakes. Like those are this is the voice that's telling the story. So it's this like really wise and all-knowing and a little bit snarky and judgmental voice that I really really enjoyed. Um but then you you fall you stick with Nadia as she goes from being 17 and like in this situation to growing up and moving on and leaving town and you know becoming an adult but also still dealing with the uh, consequences of the choices that she made when she was younger and like fleeing her issues and not dealing with them properly. Um, So there's a lot, you know, I mean, it's a very matter of fact discussion of a young girl's choice to have an abortion um, of religion, of like secrets that the the communities keep from each other uh, growing up in church and what that can do to a person um, or not do the support that it does or doesn't give. So there's, yeah, there's a lot happening here. Uh, Teen pregnancy, lots of it. And it's just so well written. And the, the, the Greek chorus thing is oh, it's amazing. So that's The Mothers by Britt Bennett. I love the book so much. Do love a Greek chorus. Uh, right? okay. Randomly. Yeah, like, who would have thought? <laughs> it's so good. Um, okay. I When I read this question, I heard that you do not mind a five Kleenex read. Um, and so <laughs> that <laughs> opened the door to me recommending The Tusk That Did the Damage by Tanya James, which was the book that made me cry the hardest last year. Um, it is so good. And gosh, there's like a chorus of car alarms going on outside of my window. I'm sorry. I was about to ask you if like church bells were ringing yeah, in your neighborhood. No. Because that's- also like five minutes ago, they were randomly vacuuming the hallways of my apartment complex. Like, I don't know what's going on. Um, anyway, The Tusk That Did the Damage by Tanya James, sorry about all the background noise, is set <laughs> in South India. And it is about, it is about big issues. It's about poaching, um, specifically elephants. One of the the narrators is an elephant, which sounds super gimmicky and weird, but works really, really well. Um, And there's a bunch of different narrators. So there's a poacher and there's a documentary filmmaker from, you know, Britain. And there is a woman who lives on the edge of this um, wildlife you know, area. Uh, and, um, there is, uh, just all of these different people who intersect in really interesting and different ways, um, that sometimes you're not expecting. Sometimes it seems really clear and they all have a different relationship to sort of the issue at the heart of the book, which is that, you know, 
poaching is it's like very bad in a lot of different ways like it it's an economy issue and it's a human rights issue and it's also a conservation issue i mean there's all kinds of issues involved here uh and so it definitely deals with those things but it deals with it through the emotions of the characters which i think is what you are saying you are looking for so yes get lots of tissues be ready um but i really really loved this book and i think you might dig it it's the tusk that did the damage by tanya james Okay, before we move on to question five, we're going to talk about our second sponsor, which is The Radium Girls by Kate Moore. This is a work of nonfiction, which is exciting. We don't get tons of nonfiction on this show, uh, but it sounds so interesting. So it's about the girls who were working with radium during the First World War before they realized it was poisonous. So hundreds of these women and girls, like literally girls, worked in radium dial factories, which were factories that were creating clock faces that glowed with radium because it, you know, glows in the dark. Um, and so they would work terrible hours. They would go home covered in head to toe with radium dust, which made them glow in the dark. People thought, you know, it was a very coveted job, uh, high skill set, you got paid well. Um, and so people thought that, you know, these like shining girls were very lucky, but then they started falling mysteriously super ill. And then, you know, somebody put two, they put two and two together, realized that radium is actually very poisonous. Um, and so they, as they were dealing with their illnesses, took up this battle for workers' rights, um, at, like looking for compensation and workers' protection against, uh, you know, like radioactive elements that will literally kill you. So this is a really timely story, especially considering like the success of Hidden Figures, like books about women who are uh, women who are oppressed, who are um, vocally fighting for their rights um, and like stories that historically have been overlooked um, and efforts by women and contributions by women to society that have been historically overlooked. So if that is your bag, then you should check this out. It's the radium girls by Kate Moore. All right. Thanks for sponsoring the show. Is it my turn? No, it's my turn. Okay. (laughs) Our next question is from Julie, who says, My eight-year-old daughter is highly gifted and brings along the demons of anxiety and depression with that gifted diagnosis. I never actually knew that such young children could deal with depression, and talking to her about it just breaks my heart. I've had luck finding books for kids about children with anxiety, but haven't found any about children with depression. Do you have any recommendations about stories of young children with with depression that would be appropriate for an eight-year-old to read? If they feature a gifted child, that would be a bonus. Also, I would like to share books about depression with her older sister, sisters ages 12 and 14, so they have an idea of what she is going through. Okay, so I went looking for help with this one because I did not know, but um, I have a suggestion that is like super vetted for you. It's a picture book called Virginia Wolf, W-O-L-F, by Kyle McClear, illustrated by Isabel Arsenault, and it was recommended by our contributor Maria Christina, who was a gifted and depressed kid um, and has a super awesome life now, she wanted me to make sure <laughs> to say, um, and I have like a little note from her that I'm going to send along to Julie via email, but this picture book is so beautiful looking for a start. Um, It's about a little girl named um, Vanessa uh, and her sister Virginia. It is based on like Virginia Woolf, the writer. Um, But in the book, uh, Virginia wakes up in a wolfish mood. She's acting very strange. Everybody feels weird. They don't know what's going on. Vanessa's trying to cheer her up, but nothing seems to work. And then, you know, uh, they... um, 
Virginia tells Vanessa about this like imaginary place in her head and Vanessa starts to paint on the walls and and it becomes an activity that the two of them do together and through the course of it, you know, Virginia um, is able to express herself, Vanessa is able to understand her and it's a it's a whole sort of story about how you interact with a depressed person in your life. So it sounded like it would be good both for your younger daughter and your older daughters. Um, and the illustrations are just gorgeous. I mean, it's a beautiful book. Like I need this book in my house immediately. So that's Virginia Woolf by Kyle McClear and um, illustrated by Isabel Arsenault. Okay, so my pick for you is a middle grade book. It's called Some Kind of Happiness by Claire Legrand. And middle grade is for middle school readers, essentially. So this is probably more appropriate for your uh, for her sisters. But if she's, you say that she's gifted, so I'm sure that this would be perfectly uh, like accessible for your daughter. Um, so the main character's name is Finley. She's 11. And she's having a rough time. Her parents are having problems that they don't talk about. And because of that, they're sending her to her grandparents' house for the summer so that they can work out some of their issues by themselves. Um, She's never met her grandparents. They're her father's parents, if I remember correctly. Um, So she's, like, not excited about going. Also, Finley is dealing with what she calls her blue days. These are days when her life feels overwhelming. It's hard for her to function. Uh, it's hard for her to get out of bed. When she when she's feeling those blue days, she goes into what she calls Everwood, which is a forest kingdom that she's creating uh, in her head and like writing and has been writing for years about in her notebook. Um, and so while she's at her grandparents' house with her cousins, she discovers that um, in the endless you know forests that surround her grandparents' house, Everwood is real. So she's obviously like dealing with her issues by going off into this imaginary world where she takes her cousins. Um, and they do that thing that kids do where they like create this big metaphorical land with like monsters to slay and mysteries to solve that are all um, setups for things that are actually happening in their life. So while she's with her grandparents, some big family secrets are revealed. She develops relationships with her grandparents. Her parents get a divorce. So that's another thing that she's dealing with. And all throughout this, she's dealing with her own mental health issues. Um, so there's a lot here that I think a young kid who is creative and dealing with depression will relate to, but I think it would also be a good thing for, um, since it is a lot about family life when a member of the family has mental illness, um, I think it would be good for her sister street as well. So that's some kind of happiness by Claire Legrand. Okay. Question six is from Erica who says, my dad has mentioned to me recently that he would like to get back into reading and he's asked me for some recommendations on books in the genre of sci-fi and fantasy. I bought him Jeff Vandermeer's Southern Reach trilogy a couple of years ago, but he never quite got into it. I think he needs something with a quicker pace, more suspense, that isn't too excessive with details, uh, and and isn't YA. So he tried and read Game of Thrones and couldn't take how dense it was. Um, Okay, you go, Jen. Okay, yeah. So I immediately thought of Chimera by David Wellington, which is the first in a series called the Jim Chapel books. Um, and it is about a former, it's about a veteran um, named, what is his name? James, uh, who, right, Jim Chapel. there we go. <laughs> he's, an, he's an army veteran who is disabled. Um, he's an amputee. He lost part of his arm. And he is on a desk job. And he is just bored. Um, I mean, he's like also not sad about being on a desk job because he feels different being an amputee, but still. Um, he gets drafted for a mysterious mission that turns out to involve creatures that the government has created and now has let loose on an unsuspecting populace. Whoops. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Like you do. Like you do. Whoopsie. Government officials always misplacing their crazy creatures. Um, <laughs> and so it's kind of like like a espionage like Jason Bourne type book, except with monsters. Um, so it sounds like something he might get into. Um, there is a, like a woman who is sort of his... Um, like, she feeds him information through an earpiece, and he's never met her, and her name is Angel, and he's, like, a little bit obsessed with her. And then he also, there's this veterinarian who, like, stumbles into the middle of the whole thing. Um, and so she and, and James have to team up. Um, and and then, of course, nothing is, like, as it really seems. So there's lots of, you know, plot points and twists and turns and action sequences and all kinds of that stuff. So it seems like the kind of thing he might enjoy, and if he likes the first one, there's more. So that's Chimera by David Wellington. Okay, I picked the the Sorcerer of the Wild Apes by Kai Ashanti Wilson. Um, it's a novella. It's only about 200 pages uh, from Tor, and it's and it's fantasy. So, um, and it all takes place on like one caravan trip. So there's not a lot of like super dense verbiage, verbiage to get through. It's uh, it's obviously not Game of Thrones. It's only 200 pages. Um, pretty is easy to follow, even with this kind of new world building. Um, so I thought it would be a good pick for someone trying to get back into science fiction or fantasy. Uh, so it's about a demigod named Domain who has very odd powers like he can heal himself and he is very fast um and physically like stronger than maybe he has any good right to be and he has been labeled as a sorcerer by like friends and acquaintances and people who know of him um and so he is working as a guard for a caravan which is just a group of merchants who are traveling from one city to another um to sell their goods uh except the road that they're walking is very dangerous and is maybe haunted sort of like not haunted by like ghosts but like by a thing that won't go away from it um stalked is another word maybe uh by like a very dangerous supernatural being or set of beings i don't want to spoil it who um their lives are like super at risk uh and so domain is hired to help guard the caravan along with a bunch of other people uh including uh, a character called the captain who is a has a lot of things in common with domain and as much as he's also very strong and very good at like combat um he's also not terrible to look at which is a subplot that's happening um and so they have to together keep the caravan together um with uh, and keep like everybody alive and like do their jobs while Domain is dealing with the fact that hey he's a demigod so there's like a lot going on here but none of it is hard to follow um and the subplot of like the kind of romance between Domain and the captain is really a nice touch um and you can just kind of get swept up in that if you don't feel like really paying as much attention to the like fantasy universe stuff that's going on so there's a couple of different things you can do uh with the book depending on what you are interested in at the time and it is um there is a sequel the sequel came out last year i don't know there's just two so i don't think there's it's not like a series or anything um but if he likes it you know another book in the series came out um last year so that's the sorcerer of the wild Eeps by kai ashanti wilson All right, our next question is from Anonymous, who says, I'm in the process of compiling my summer reading list, and I need some help picking out beach reads. I recently rewatched The Mummy and loved the romance adventure story with the stereotypical devil-may-care hero and a strong, intelligent female lead with a strong dash of humor. I'm wondering if you guys have any fun adventure romances to recommend. I'm fine with anything so long as romance... 
so long as the romance contains a heavy dose of plot and vice versa. I'm also not at all opposed to mysteries. Uh, steaminess is not technically necessary, but would be a big plus. <laughs> That's such a great sentence. I'm also fine with either straight or LGBTQ relationships. So this was like a lovely opportunity to recommend one of my favorite romances, which is Scarlet Devices by Delphine Dryden. It's technically the second in the series, but I didn't read the first one and it was fine. Um, it's kind of a steampunky, it's, and it takes place in early in like turn of the century America um, out in the West. So the main, the heroine, Eliza Hardison is, uh, she is like, a, like a blue stocking. Like she's crusading for workers' rights and she has all of these like, you know, she just graduated university and she's like gonna make a difference in the world. Also, she secretly really loves to drive these like fancy race cars, um, steam steam cars. And <laughs> her cousin, Dexter, who is a baron, of course, um, gets her to be the driver representing their house in this big like cross-country race. Um, and of course, there is a guy, Matthew Pence, who was like a big brother to her growing up. He's good friends with Dexter. But now that she's grown up and he is grown up, things are a little bit different um and so they are competing against each other in the race and he's like tr still trying to be big brothery and she's like whatever I can take care of myself I'm a good driver everything's fine um and so there's a lot of that like sort of competitive and also attractive relationship stuff going on um and in the meantime they uncover this crazy thing that's happening um on their route from New York to San Francisco I don't want to give any spoilers but there is a bunch of plot as well as a bunch of very steamy scenes and and um, the heroine is biracial. She's like half Asian American, which is awesome. Uh, and it's just, I really loved the world building and the plot and the characters. So that's Scarlet Devices by Delphine Dryden. I also use this question as an opportunity <laughs> to recommend something I've been waiting to talk about. This book was the most fun I've had in a long time. It's called Kiss of Steel by Beck McMaster. And it's the first in a series. And there is so much happening here. So this is a Victorian steampunk vampire adventure romance that is also a gender-swapped My Fair Lady. Wow. Ah! Uh, <laughs> That's a lot of things. It is all of the things. <laughs> Every single thing, it is all of the things. So the heroine in this book's name is Honoria. Honoria? It's like honor plus IA. I think it's Honoria, yeah. Honoria Todd. She's grown up um, among what are called the Blue Bloods, which in this universe are both the aristocracy of uh, England, but they're also like literally Blue Bloods, like they're pre-vampires. Um, <clears throat> so they have this virus that gives them super strength and makes them functionally immortal until they reach what's called the Fade, which is where the Blue Blood fades into a full-blown vampire, loses its conscious ability to think, loses its rationale. Um, and has to be put down essentially. So this is how they. This is how the aristocracy in this universe keeps power. And so here in like the during the French Revolution, when they when the the peasants like rise up and slaughter their aristocracy, they're killing vampires. It's like this whole like aristocracy as a metaphor for uh, capitalist oppression thing happening, which I really appreciate. Anyway, so she grows up amongst these wealthy arist aristocrats. She's the daughter of a scientist who works for one. So she's not like wealthy herself, but this is a world that she knows. And then her father is mysteriously murdered and she runs off with her, her two younger siblings um, to save their life and kind of get out of this mysterious situation that's happening. She moves into the, the Whitechapel district, which in history and in this book was a very poor, crime-ridden area. Um, and 
she tries to keep things going. Basically, she spends months trying to keep them fed. They're now in poverty. Uh, her and her sister are both working their fingers to the bone, trying to keep everything together. And then she gets summoned by a man named Blade, who is the master of Whitechapel. He's like, he is himself a blue blood, but he's a rogue. He left um, that world, doesn't have anything to do with it anymore, and like rule. He's like the crime lord of this area. And he takes her... Uh, under his protection in exchange for her being his, what's known as a thrall, which is essentially, like, she feeds him her blood sometimes, but, like, not enough to hurt her, and it doesn't turn her or anything. It's, like, this very odd economy of bodily fluids. Um, (laughs) I know, it's, like, really weird, now that I'm saying it out loud, but it's actually super hot in the book, I have to say. And then Whitechapel gets invaded by an actual vampire. So, and because that's so rare, and because you know that vampires are aristocrats who have gone, who have been allowed to go too far in their illness, um, they, like, team up together to find out who it is to hunt him down and kill him because he's murdering a bunch of people. Anyway, so there's, like, a mystery. There's tons of adventure. There's weird steampunk weapons. There's a werewolf. Like, there's just everything, and I loved it so much, and it's so much fun. So that's Kiss of Steel by Bess Mac- Beck McMaster. You were raving about that to me, and I put it on my holds list at the library. So Yay! I'm just waiting for it to come in. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And, like, just... Yeah, economy of bodily fluids. That's the new show title. We've got a lot of good ones this episode, though. <laughs> but you. it's like really nice in the like the way that it happens is not, I don't. Yeah, know, like that's a, that is a trope. That's a thing yeah. that happens in other vampire books sometimes, but it like varies by who's writing it, like how sexy or unsexy slash addictive it is. So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, and she sets it up in like a. a, a Kind of a as a metaphor for consent, like in yeah. the book, in the there are they have different words for them, but like the lower class a woman is, and the less uh, the the lower class a woman is, the more it's considered like pouring yourself out essentially. But right. there are upper class women who do this, who sell themselves for money, uh, or who sell their blood for money via like by like marrying marrying a blue blood or a right, vampire or whatever. Right, right, so right. it's just really like interesting. Ugh. It's all about class structure. Uh, it's just it's so smart. It's so smart. But also there's a lot of making out, so I mean <laughs> one would only imagine. <laughs> Alright, question eight. There's a lot of making out. Uh, question eight is from Lorena who says our thirteen year old daughter has recently come to the realization that she's pansexual and I couldn't be more happy for her. I was wondering if you have any good book recommendations uh, for her just beginning to explore this new world. She's very much into Doctor Who, Supernatural and Sherlock and her reading loves are Rainbow Rowell, Patrick Ness, Maze Runner series, and the Amulet graphic novels. We're in Australia, so local reads would be a bonus, but not essential. Okay, um, I'll just keep talking. I couldn't nail the Australia thing. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> this was a tough one. Um, but So my pick for you is Little and Lion by Brandy Colbert. Colbert? Colbert. Um, and so this is about a teenage girl. She's a little bit older than your daughter. She's, I think, 16 in the book. Uh, her name is Suzette. She's been in New England at boarding school for the school year, and she's come home to L.A. for the summer. She's sent off to boarding school because her uh, brother, uh, Lionel, who was called Lion, um, has bipolar disorder, and so she's sent to uh, New England so she can kind of be away from that drama and that... Um, and, like, kind of try and figure her own self out outside of how she relates to her brother and his mental illness. So it's not like she was sent off, you know, or exiled or whatever. It's, like, a decision that her family has made. Um, so she comes home. She's, like, happy to be home. She doesn't necessarily fit in with the kids in New England. She's Jewish. She's black. She's bisexual. So, like, there's a lot of things happening where she feels kind of weird in Massachusetts. She's happy to be home. She loves her brother. They get along. Um, 
And then she falls in love with her brother's girlfriend, which is awkward. And her brother's girlfriend, Raffaella, is pansexual, openly identifies as pansexual, and talks about that and that identity in the book. So there's, like, a defining of it, um, how she, like, her character is very well-rounded, so, like, how she arrived um, at the conclusion that she was pansexual. And um, there's also some, a lot of discussion of consent and sexual consent in the book, which might be, now that I'm thinking, maybe it looks a tick too old for a 13-year-old, but I don't know. I mean, you can make that decision for your kid, obviously. Um, and so it's just very much about, like, a kid dealing with her brother's mental illness, which is the the main plot point of the story um but also dealing with her brother's mental illness as she's realizing that she has feelings for the person her brother also has feelings for um and uh how do you like navigate that not just you love somebody that somebody you're you are related to loves but like you love somebody someone you're related to loves and you're afraid of what that will do to their mental health like it's just very complicated and tangly um but it's really good so that's little and lion by brandy colbert um okay i kind of have two picks for this because i'm not <laughs> sure that my favorite pick for you is available in australia i couldn't determine from the internets um so ramona blue by julie murphy made me cry actual tears this past weekend like i was sitting in my reading chair crying um it is so good uh it is about a 17 year old girl who is her name is Ramona and she lives with her family in Mississippi she when when she was five is when Hurricane Katrina hit um and now she's 17 and her family's finances have never recovered they lost their house they basically lost all their stuff um so they've been living in a trailer that was supposed to be temporary but is now like kind of permanent um and she lives with her dad and her sister who is pregnant uh and is like struggling to deal with that um but it and Ramona feels very responsible for her family like she works a couple of jobs uh she doesn't she has no hopes of going to college she just feels like her job is to be there for her sister and her dad who is you know scraping by and is a really good dad but like you know everybody's just kind of struggling in general um and her mom is alive but like lives elsewhere they're separated or divorced or something um and so so there's a lot of family stuff going on and then on top of it Ramona has been out as gay for some time um she is just ending a summer fling excuse me she's been out as a lesbian I I have a tendency to use gay as like a catch-all but that's not right um so she's been out as a lesbian for a long time she is ending a summer fling with a girl named Grace who is going like Ramona lives in sort of a beach town and this girl is going back to school um, and she's really sad about it. And then her best friend from childhood moves back into town and his name is Freddie. And she is suddenly having feelings for him that she doesn't understand because she likes girls. So in this book, Ramona doesn't identify, she is trying to figure out what she now identifies as. And she doesn't come to any specific conclusions um, because she's just not sure. Um, so the book is both about trying to find your way when your family is in a rough spot and also like, and your identity outside of your role in your family, which is one of the things that made me cry. And then, um, also her trying to figure out like, is she pansexual? Is she bisexual? Like, what is she? She's not sure. And that's explicitly said, like, she's just trying to figure it out. Um, and so it's, I mean, it's part of the story. It is a main plot point, but it's also not the whole story. And I really appreciated how Julie Murphy, like, has this 360 degree view of, like, 
all of the things that go into being a teenager um, in terms of Ramona's life. Like, it's so, oh, it's so good. Um, in terms of content, it doesn't sound like you're super concerned, but just in case, there is some underage drinking and there's a fade to black sex scene. Um, but otherwise, it's like, I, I would not consider it inappropriate for a 13-year-old, personally. Um, and it it just came out in the U.S. I don't know if it's available in Australia. So my second choice for you is The Upside of Unrequited by Becky Albertalli, who is wonderful. Um, and this book is the main character is has a crush on boys, but her sister's girlfriend is pansexual and like out as pansexual and it's, you know, identified as. So it doesn't, the main character isn't pan, but it's, it's a plot point in the story. So, um... So if you can't get Ramona Blue, The Upside of Unrequited is also great. Uh, just like Becky Albertalli is so good. Um, and yeah, that is my recommendation for you. Also, this question was a nice opportunity to do some educating myself on what all the terminology is because I mm -hmm. realized I yeah, had not been, not been 100% clear. So thank you for asking it. That's our show. Ta-da! <laughs> so thank you everybody for listening please do go leave a review or rate us on itunes it makes the show easier to find when people are searching for it thank you so much to our sponsors for fun, uh, sponsoring the show you can find us on social media i'm at i'm amanda nelson jen is at jen irl jen with two n's and we will talk to y'all next week <laughs>